Hey everybody, it's Will. I'm back with another edition of Creators Alley right here on the Outright Geekery Network. Hey everybody, it's Will. I'm hey, that's me. That was you. <laughs> <laughs> you opened on too many windows. Uh-oh. I want to give a big shout out to our sponsor for this video, SpinWiz Comics at SpinWizComics.com. They are a development platform to discover web and indie comics on it's a free downloadable app on both ios and android and here's just a little bit more about them and now on with the program our special guest tonight is Corey Hardiman, the uh, creator and writer of Sister Mercy. Hello, pleasure to meet you. Welcome. So, uh, when did the love of comics begin for you? Because I see a whole bunch of stuff in your room. So, <laughs> oh, long, long time ago. I, I grew up with a love for it and stopped for. When I reached adulthood, I stopped, but the, my son got old enough that I started reading him comics, which reignited my passion for it again. And uh, always being a writer of a novelist, it wasn't too long before I tried to bring the two mediums together and took a stab at writing comics myself. And you're on to the second issue of the book currently? The second issue is out now, and uh, we are just finishing up the third one and getting ready to launch the third Kickstarter here, uh, hopefully for the beginning of December. Oh, well, Merry Christmas. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. You'll make a great stocking stuffer, although you won't get it until probably January, but, you know, still. Yeah, that's right, that's right. You can well, you... The, the, the second issue, uh, one, of the, uh, uh, one of the stretch goals was a, uh, a Christmas card, so we might have to do that one this time around again as well. Oh, yeah, that'll be, uh, you know, that's always something people are, uh, you know, looking to check out, so. Oh, for sure. So tell me how uh, you came up with the character and, you know, a little bit more about her so we can learn about this book. Uh, I guess it was about eight years ago. I was at work one night, a uh, desk job at a warehouse back shift. And a friend of mine that lived on the other side of the country was an artist. And uh, she knew I love comic books and she knew that I liked to write. And uh, she said, we should uh, create a, a character together. So I said, uh, all right, how about a... Uh, a nun wandering through the desert fighting zombies. And uh, it was just, it was born from there. Sister Mercy, the name was born immediately, came right out in the first conversation and uh, and then it just took off from there. Hit a stall, stalled for a few years and uh, just restarted it again here about two years ago. The, the, the nuns are just, you know, exploding all over the place this year. They are, I see that, I see that. Oh, I, I like to think I got the drop on it here before, just a little bit before everybody else. <laughs> yeah, because you're a, you're a few issues in. Uh, I I had a uh, another creator on uh, last week. I watched who, that. Yeah. Who has the uh, Mary machine gun? Mary machine gun there. Yeah. So, and I was like, this is your first book, and he's he was putting up stretch goals like, you know, like. Like he was Jim Lee or something. <laughs> I'm like, I go, 
you like calendars and you know full-size standees and love those standees that's a great idea that, yeah. that is a great idea i really really like that somebody had actually mentioned something something similar to that to me a few weeks prior and uh not not something i jumped on but yeah definitely a great idea i wouldn't mind having one of those myself yeah and I'm this like, project looks great looks like a great character i really hope that he's successful oh yeah uh the uh it's it's very 90s yeah absolutely yeah. And I, I know you know what I'm talking about because I, I saw that you uh, you have an affinity for uh, Ariella Warrior done as well. Uh, funny, actually, I had never heard of her up until probably two weeks before the TV show came out on Netflix. Um, I think uh, Sean James did a review on YouTube of uh, Sister Mercy number two. He had gotten the uh, the digital versions, backed us on Kickstarter. And in his review, he compared it, compared it to Ariella Warrior Nun and uh, Razor. And I had heard of Razor. I had a Razor and Crow crossover comic back in the 90s, but I had oh, yeah. never, at that point, had never heard of Ariella Warrior Nun. And then I went on, uh, I went on online right after he mentioned that and looked her up, and I was... Uh, yeah, quite surprised and impressed. And then it was uh, a week later, I saw the commercial for the TV show, and I couldn't believe it. Just the uh, the timing was insane. And well, I, I, that looks great. I haven't watched it yet, but it looks absolutely fantastic. I hope it's uh, a hit. It, it was, I watched it, and it was good. The funny thing is, is there's Easter eggs in there that only people... That, that you know had the original Antarctic press run back in the, you know, 90s, early 2000s would would actually click on. Right, yeah. The, the actual series goes full circle if you read the book. So if you get a chance to read it, like, you know, even... I'd love to read it, actually. I would. That's one of the ones even, I wanted to check out. You know, even online digitally. Because yep. I, I saw some people uh, were talking when the show came out, and they were like, I didn't know this was just... This, this was a comic book? I'm like, dude, there's not a program on a streaming service now that pretty much wasn't a comic book. Exactly, exactly. You know, that's where all the great IP is coming from now. You know, that, that's yeah. why that's why AT&T bought DC, and that's that's why the mouse bought Marvel. Yep, exactly, exactly. Although the mouse buys anything that competes with it, so, you know. <laughs> that's right, that's right. We're going to buy everything. We're going to be the Walmart of entertainment. Uh, but so I saw a couple people talking online about it and they went and, and hit up, uh, as the, uh, as the haters that shop only on Facebook, uh, you know, live comic book sales nowadays say, uh, I looked at fee fee bay for the prices. See, they don't want to go to eBay and pay the fees. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. But they will pay the same price for that book and usually a little more buying it off somebody on Facebook. Right. Yep. And then use PayPal to pay for it and pay the fees anyhow. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. They're going to get you one way or another. I'm like, do you not realize what you're doing? That's right. That's right. Um, but as I, long as I, they're buying them, that's all that matters. As long oh, as yeah. they're buying, I I I loved a lot of like the '90s indie stuff. Um, 
I was into like uh, the stuff that uh, looked like hardcore anime looking stuff, like Akira, anything that, that looked like Akira or better, like between oh, Akira yeah. and the original uh, Ghost in the Shell. I was like, oh man, this is dope. I got to have it. <laughs> For me, it was heavy metal magazines. Loved heavy metal magazines. Those two. Enough of those. I've, I've got like three or four boxes. Yeah. I, I, the other week, I actually had Frank Forte on the show, who's an editor over there for uh, Heavy Metal Lab. Oh, right on. Right on. He was actually doing sketch covers on uh, Heavy Metal 300. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. He had a pretty cool looking uh, Hellboy going on. Oh, <laughs> right on. But, so your, your friend out the other coast did all the art. Originally, uh, that was eight years ago when we first started. I think we only got about 10 pages in. I wrote half a script for it. It kind of went off the rails and it all stopped. And then uh, a few years passed and uh, an artist from Brazil, Ricardo Silva, found uh, found the relatively inactive Facebook page and uh, messaged me and uh, said that he'd like to draw the character. So I commissioned the very first pinup and uh, it was fantastic. I loved it. So uh Hired him right then and there, and we've been working together ever since. And, uh, yeah, he's just an uh, absolutely fantastic artist and uh, very, very easy to work with. And, uh, yeah, as you can see, if you check out the comic, he does he does some great work. Yeah, I, I love how, you know, there's a lot of things I hate the Internet for. Yeah, <laughs> this <laughs> but, is definitely one of the good things. But there's, there's, there's a lot of great things that, it, that it, you know, it is, you know, Doing stuff like this, reaching out to comic book creators, Absolutely. you know, especially this year with no, you know, no conventions or anything. Yep. So, there, you know, there's so much talent out there. So many, uh, you know, so many artists, colors, so many people, you know, eager for work. So it's it's uh, it's great to uh, to match up with somebody and uh, find one that, uh, that does. Fantastic oh, yeah. Job. And you find like these phenomenal artists like all over the world. And there's nothing in the digital age. There's nothing stopping you like. Like you Absolutely. did, hiring this fantastic artist from Brazil. Yeah, and uh, that's why we have some beautiful guest covers coming up for the third Kickstarter. Uh, Steph Wilson has done a cover, and um, oh, Mike I love Chrome. his work. Oh, me too. Absolutely great. And uh, Mike Chrome has done a cover as well. Yeah. So, uh, which Sanju, I can never pronounce his last name properly. Sanju Navion, I believe, is uh, actually coloring right now. It should be finished within the next day or so. Yeah, I uh, have a confession about Steph, though. I, I, I didn't realize until this year when I talked to him, like, on, on somebody else's podcast, that uh, Steph wasn't a girl. Yeah, I realized, <laughs> the, hard, I realized the hard way, too, through uh, talking with him on Facebook. He, uh, he told me he was a dude throughout the course of the conversation. So, uh, yeah, I thought, he was, uh, I thought he was a female as well. Yeah, and I'm like, well, I go, oh, nice hairdo. <laughs> he's like dude that's my girlfriend <laughs> that's great I'm like well who's the guy me <laughs> right on but you know I, I, I still love his work and uh, he's definitely awesome Oh yeah, absolutely. And he's done so many covers too. He's done so much work. Uh, he's on so many Kickstarters. I'm happy to uh, to be on the list. Hey, it's it's the other skull nunnery guy. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, Max? 
so you you got the you got you got the artist from Brazil, and he's still he's still working with you to this day. He is absolutely. We uh, just finished. I just got the art today for page eighteen of issue uh, of issue three, and it's uh, been coming along really quickly. Took us about ten months in between the first couple of issues to uh, to get them out, but now we've uh, picked up the pace considerably. So we're hoping it's probably going to be more like a uh, less than six months in between each issue going forward. Start yeah, well, the, the, more, the more you do it, the you know easier the, more, the, the easier it gets. Yeah, because it's you know it's it's not this isn't your full time job. So no, 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 not yet. <laughs> not yet. One day, maybe. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Exactly. Just dropping in to see his other nun friend. <laughs> <laughs> I think you guys should do a crossover next year. Oh, is this the uh, creator of Mary Machine Gun, Max Deville? Yes, it is. Okay, yeah, yeah, right on, right on. Yeah, I, uh, it'd be kind of neat to see our characters together in a pinup, possibly, or something like that. That might not, that might not be such a bad idea. Yeah, see, the worlds are pretty far removed, but definitely a pinup could work. That's for sure. Oh yeah. Like, uh, you know, do like, uh, you guys can do like a variant cover on each other's. That's a great idea. You know? Yeah, he can have his artist do one and I can have my artist do one. Yeah, one just, with his none on top and one with my none on top. <laughs> you know, just, just, just switch it up and, you know, make it a, make it the same level of, uh, of, of tier on, uh, each of your, uh, Kickstarters when they're yeah, going might, on, you know? Might be on to something there. Just an idea. Yeah, that's a great idea. Oh, well, you know, always thinking, you know. Yeah, for sure. Well, at least I always have the voices in my head gabbering. <laughs> <laughs> I call that thinking. I hear you. That passes for thinking. Oh, yeah. So I saw, obviously, because uh, we, we talked a little bit before we went live, that uh, Moon Knight is your favorite comic character. Ever since I was a little kid, yeah, absolutely. And there's, uh, I guess you can see a, there's a little bit of an influence in Sister Mercy with her uh, talking to her God, Simon Moon Knight, talk to his God. Although when I came up with the idea, I, I, I thought it was more of inspired by Joan of Arc being led by the voice of God. And then after I started thinking about it, I thought, well, maybe uh, back in my head, I think all those Moon Knight comics I read might have had a little bit of influence in there too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Max says he's down. DM him. Okay, right on. I will definitely be in touch. Absolutely. Yeah, I can definitely see a pinup in our futures. That's a great idea. Yeah, and, uh, you know, maybe you can add some cardboard to one of the stand-ups and have, have your nun just peeking up, up over his shoulder. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Might have to... Uh, Reach out to Antarctic Press, see if we can get the Warrior Nun Ariella in a threesome. Uh, <laughs> might have come out the wrong way, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Triple nuns for the win. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, you go, you go from you know being scared of him as a kid with the ruler across the knuckles to uh, yeah, they're gonna go kill zombies. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So why don't you? Uh, Go a little more in depth about uh, the characters in the book and about the character of. The so yeah, so it's uh, takes place in a post-apocalyptic setting, and uh, Sister Mercy is uh, 
a schizophrenic nun that hears the voice of God, which uh, leads her on her quest across the wasteland. And uh, the line is up to the reader to draw whether or not she's hearing the voice of God or whether it's the voices in her head. And uh, there's lots of uh, twists and turns and dangers along the way, both real and imagined. And it is um, definitely uh, an adult-oriented comic. Um, originally started as a, for a while, it was a, a novel. So I like to think it's very story and character driven. The, uh, the violence and the nudity is kind of like the icing on top of the cake. It's not the substance of the story. There's a lot more to it than that, but that's just to help bring more eyes. So come for the pretty and stay for the story is hopefully the way it works out. And uh, looking at probably eight issues for the first run. And like I said, we're uh, just kind of finishing up issue three now. Eight issues and uh, considering uh, wrapping it all up into a trade. Yeah, actually, after four issues, I might look into doing a smaller one, do a volume one, volume two for uh, the first arc. And if there's still interest after eight issues, I have a great idea for a very, very vastly different sequel that I would love to draw, but, or draw, so rather write, but that's uh, that's a long ways down the road, so we'll have to wait and see whether or not that happens. Fingers crossed that I can maintain interest that long. Oh, yeah. yeah but it's been growing so far, so that's been absolutely great. That'd be a, it'd be a great idea to, uh, to do the trade, you know, for the first four issues when mm -hmm. you launch your, your fifth Kickstarter for this. Exactly. And then you've got the trade as a catch-up, that's that can, right. That can be added on. That's right. Yep. That's the plan at 100%. See, I've learned something in 45 episodes. Yeah. Right <laughs> on. Right on. You know, I, I, I joke, I joked around with some people that, uh, with, uh, Mike and Mindy Wheeler. Okay. Yeah. I, I joked around with them and go, wow, you better stop talking about this new platform you got because, you know, you're going to make me want to write a comic book. You should. I go, nah. Maybe you should. She might be on something. Uh, her boobs comic looks fantastic. I look forward to reading that one. I hope I hope that's very successful. Look, there's no way boobs can be unsuccessful. <laughs> that's right. That's right, 100%. I couldn't agree more. I'm I'm waiting to see all of the, uh, all the variant covers that she's that they got going on. Oh yeah, I bet I bet they're going to have some beautiful stuff for sure. They got a they got a they got a scarlet witch with her with her top exploding. So oh, I saw the uh, yeah I saw that. Oh, it looks fantastic. All right, censored version of that looks absolutely yeah. fantastic. Yeah. So you know, I was like, I go, nah, I'm too lazy to actually write a book. <laughs> I, go, I go when the opportunity and the money came up for me to have a webcam and a desk mic. I, I went from writing reviews, articles, and and everything in between for the for the website to uh, yeah. I'm just gonna do this because you know talking is much easier. We all need an outlet for the voices in our head, right? Oh yeah. So many different ones to choose from. I I, I have so many voices in my head. I could be either Moon Knight or a nun. <laughs> well, there you go. You know what? What if Moon Knight was a nun? <laughs> well, we've got the book for you. Well, one of his villains, uh, one of our uh, uh, antagonists that he fights off in Stained Glass Scarlet, she's got a nun vibe going on, a bit of a red nun. So, Oh, yeah. It was funny growing up as a child. Like, uh, 
back in the early 80s, my brother used to bring home comic books. He was a fisherman and he'd have a stack with them on the boat and he would bring them home every time the boat came back in and he would just throw them at me. And so so often, just randomly, there would be a Spider-Man comic or a random Marvel Presents comic and there was just Moon Knight was always in there. And it wasn't until years later I realized, oh, he's not as popular as Spider-Man and Batman. I, <laughs> I thought he was just as common as all these other guys. Everybody would say, who's Moon Knight? I mean, what do you mean? Who's Moon Knight? He's the greatest one of all. And and here you you thought he was the most popular character in the Marvel Universe. I did. I did. So I just seen him everywhere. Every time I'd go to a comic book spinner and there'd be a Moon Knight comic. Right. And uh, yeah, he was uh, I seen him just as often as Spider-Man, <laughs> which was just, a you know, just a random thing. So it was meant to be. So. Uh... You write actual novels, so tell us uh, how long you've actually been writing. Oh God, I think I started as I started as a teen. I wrote uh, I wrote my first unpublished book. I think in my I started writing it as a as a late teen, which was just uh, I worked on it for a couple of years, and that was uh, just a vampire story, very very cheesy vampire story. When I go back and read it, um, and that was just getting my feet wet and learning the process of writing. Uh, in my late 20s, I started a second novel, which is now also unfinished, but about 300 pages long and fill in a shoebox, which I really want to go back to. There are a couple of elements of it in Sister Mercy, uh, although it's a much different story. And I definitely I want to go back to that novel and either uh, write it as a comic book or touch it up and maybe get the novel out there. Also working on Sister Mercy in novel format as well. So uh, I'm trying to come at it from a a multimedia perspective. So hopefully in about a year or so that should be done. We're about, a, I got about 150 pages down. And that will of course be a, a much more in-depth story than, than the, than the comic. So, you know, there'll be a lot more in there. 100%. It'll have a lot of the same story beats and a lot of the same elements, but a more opportunity to uh, flesh out the narrative much, much more. Oh yeah. Hey pops, how you doing? Thanks for uh, popping into the show. Hey pops. Pops lost his hair for the weekend. <laughs> right on. <laughs> Going to the wedding. <laughs> his son, his sons are getting married this weekend, so. Oh, that's why he got the haircut. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> the pictures on Facebook. He, he got the haircut. He might, he might show up to Cromcom this weekend in a monkey suit. <laughs> oh, there we go. Right on. Well, congratulations, Pops. Yeah, about time you got a haircut. <laughs> so have you published any novels or are you just i'm a writer of unpublished and unfinished novels i usually uh, i like to get to the ending and stop right when i'm around that last ch chapter i guess call it a fear of success or a fear of completion and uh my son came along and i became a single father uh, about 20 years ago so that sort of put everything on hold and now he's all grown up and flown the coop. So I've got the, I'm, I'm one come back devoted to writing again and trying to uh, rekindle everything that I stopped working on 20 years ago. Now that I have a little bit more time on my hands. Oh yeah. That's yeah. <clears throat> everything, everything, everything takes a back burner when, uh, when you got younger kids. And, and it's funny when you, uh, when you look back at stuff that you haven't read that you've written, that's 20 years old now. Uh, and you look back at it with modern eyes and realize, you know, 99% of this is actually pretty crappy. 
but one percent of it there's some little bit of gold in there so <laughs> i might have to build on that yeah uh i was i interviewed uh months ago i interviewed the writer for uh stargazer from uh and he uh he took the ideas for the the stargazer book because that that's published work now uh from a book that he originally did that didn't take off the way he wanted to. And then looking back, it's like, yeah, I couldn't have gone anywhere with this because he right. wrote himself into corners, but he, he took the characters, but took him, took him to a new place in this new book, that, okay. you know, that, you know, he got hired to write as a, you know, an IP for another company. And, okay. uh, you know, so it's, it's a, it's a, you know, you're not the only one. <laughs> oh no, I'm sure there's many of us out there. You know, you know, there's, there's probably many people that have many shoe boxes stuffed with books that you know they went back and looked and go, oh, that's terrible. What yeah, that's I, right. What was I thinking? But they don't want to get rid of it, so they put it back up on the shelf. Yeah, exactly. There exactly. Might, there might be some ideas in there. I'll go. I'll get back to it later. Yeah, that's 100% it. That's 100% it. It's like, where's my beer in the remote? <laughs> Sometimes it's like a good wine. Just needs some time to settle. Yeah, really? Yeah. So how are you, uh, you do, you're doing Kickstarter. Do you have mm -hmm. a, do you have a, do you like overprint from the Kickstarter? So you have books for when there's conventions or to, or to sell online and everything too? That's exactly it. Yeah. We uh, do an overprint and um, unfortunately, uh, all the comic cons were canceled obviously in the last year so we weren't able to really go ahead and do any of those we had booked at the east coast comic con which is the biggest one here in east east coast eastern canada um but that one was gone so hopefully when everything goes back to normal next year that's the plan there's a there's quite a stack of comic books here beside me but i've actually been selling so many of them locally i might have to go back and do another run again anyhow so those are good problems to have oh well, yeah that's that's <clears throat> that's that's great news yeah yeah how how much of a problem do you have getting uh your comics from canada to the states it's it's a bit expensive i spent uh i 250 packages i sent out after the last kickstarter and i would say probably between 150 and 200 of them went to the u.s and uh, the shipping costs took a bit of a hike from when I uh, first set the Kickstarter prices to when I actually sent them out. So I ended up uh, taking a bit of a hit there. Um, but overall, it's uh, that's where 85, 90% of my customers are down in the States. And uh, yeah, and uh, well, I also um, sell it off of IndiePlanet.com. And uh, so people can order it there as well from also within the States. I heard from another... Uh... Canadian creator that they were using some company uh, that has like an kind of like a an over the road like a kind of like a FedEx thing, and they have trucks that go over the border and 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 drop off in the states, and then they re then they 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 drive the truck over, and then the the driver will take like, you know, boxes and boxes and go into the, you know, New York post office and mail them from there. That's a great idea. That is a really, really good idea. I might have to look into that. And uh, 
another thing is uh, one of the things they were talking about is uh, with uh, with the indie crowdfund is that you can put a campaign on there for U.S. only, and they'll do all the fulfillment down on the U.S. side. Okay. And 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 ship it out. They've got a they've got a deal with the. Uh, they got to deal with everybody, but they got to deal with the. They got a nice deal with the with the printer. Um. Uh, a company that does like the the metal flake covers and you know, metal posters and. Right they, on. They got a big deal with the. Uh, shipping and uh, the Gemini mailers. Oh, that's great! That's great. So I'd I'd. Uh, I'd reach out to uh, to them over on the madness and uh, for sure. I've been I've been following the uh, their uh, their crowdfund platform a little bit. I said and just kind of seeing where it's going. Yeah, so, a lot of people are like, "Well, we're gonna we're gonna let you know when we when you come out of beta." Yeah, that's right. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. You know, but it's I'm I, definitely I, on board. However, whatever I got to join up to get that boobs magazine, I'm on board. Oh yeah, because you know. Boobs. Exactly. Right. And super boobs. Can't get any better than that. <laughs> Make me a motorboat and mother. <laughs> Reminds me of back in the 90s. I had a comic. I wish I still had it. I don't even know who made it. It was called Dare Dame. And it was a ripoff of Daredevil. But she had sonic boobs, which she used for echo location. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say that wasn't a mainstream comic book. I don't think it was Marvel or DC. No, no, I don't no. think. I don't think. So what were, what are some of the other books that uh, you grew up reading? Oh, a lot of the basics. Uh, a lot of, I've always been a big fan of Marvel actually. And um, uh, funny enough, as I said, when my son was five or six years old, I started reading him comics. And by that time I, I hadn't read comics for my own pleasure in over a decade. And uh, he was very taken with Wolverine. That's when the X Men movies were first coming out, and uh, so uh, and I used to do all the voices when I read it, read the comics. So he he had a blast with them. But uh, I was reading him the comics and at the time. It was uh, Wolverine, Agent of Shield, when he was killed by the Hand and reincarnated and came back evil and went on a killing spree and had to be unbrainwashed by Shield. And I remember I was just so enraptured with that story. I love it. And shortly after that, Civil War came out, and I thought, wow, comics have really you know, stepped up in the last few years and I just got right back on board with them. And, uh, and that was that, although the last couple of years I've been more into the indie side rather than anything else. Right. So, Oh yeah. And well, there's beautiful I, indie comics out there. I don't know how many projects I've backed now, quite a few. Oh, well, the only way to know that is by looking at one of your Kickstarter pages. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. It'll, it'll tell you. So, yeah. um, I'm sure it must be at least must be forty or fifty by now, anyways. Oh yeah. So, I I saw in uh, some of the pictures on your Facebook that uh, you're a big horror buff. I am. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's funny. As a child, I was absolutely terrified of horror. Didn't want, want to see anything horror. I think I seen uh, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre at a much too young of an age, and like most kids, I had a sadistic older brother that told me it was real. <laughs> so uh, for years it was uh, didn't want anything to do with it then as a teenager I guess I got the bug and I've had it ever since 
Did he did he used to like you know go outside your bedroom window and start up a chainsaw? No, 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 not that far. Not he did chase me with nunchucks because he was a big Bruce Lee fan. So <laughs> I, had, I had a few bruises from those. You know, that's you know he used that's... to tell me he was toughing me up, right? That was the 80s for you. <laughs> oh yeah. Having an older brother in the 80s was just unhealthy no matter what. Yeah. Having friends in the 80s was unhealthy. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, none of this, you know, wrap your kids up in bubble wrap and oh put, no, put pads and helmets on them. Yeah. Screw that. Yeah. I, exactly. I remember, I remember the, the, big, the most fun we had in college was, uh, you know, Friday, Friday nights at the dorm rooms getting hammered and uh, stair sliding. <laughs> there you go. Didn't end well for anybody, you know. Right on. They, they, you know, the security would come by. There'd be like seven or eight holes in in the walls by the outside door. And what happened? <laughs> I don't know. Somebody must have moved furniture in and hit the wall. <laughs> but it's a footprint. <laughs> it was a good time. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, of course, you know, I was the one at the top of the stairs pushing people down. So... Well, there you go. Absolutely. King of the hill, right? Oh, yeah. It was fun for me. Right on. So I also see the Hulk poster behind you. Yes. Yeah. First appearance of Wolverine. Yeah. So being a horror fan and uh, what the creative team did with Immortal Hulk. I want to read that. I haven't read that. That is on my list. I want to. I've heard nothing but good things about it. I actually, I haven't read anything Marvel's put out. I think uh, the last thing I read was the um, Secret Empire with Captain America. I kind of, uh, except for Moon Knight, I follow Moon Knight. I'll read every Moon Knight comic religiously, whether it's a good or bad. But uh, no, that Immortal Hulk run, I definitely, I definitely would like to read that as well. And also the Punisher run, where he puts on the War Machine armor. I haven't read that. I want to read that. That looks great. I love that idea. And I was actually playing a mobile Marvel game that actually gave you, like, you could earn, like, in-game, you know, what they would use for money. Right, yeah. Like, upgrade your character, but... Not really, but you'd have, you'd have to use it to like upgrade the powers to get to get stronger, right? But, but you'd have to use a different type of money in the game to uh, buy new outfits. So every time they did something in the comic, they would bring it in. So they got there. You go. And I was talking to a friend of mine. That's beautiful. And, that is beautiful. And then he went on. He went online, and before he even hung up from from talking to me, he went online and uh, bought this. He goes, "Yeah, I just bought this on eBay. I'm shipping it to your house." <laughs> That's oh, a good cool. friend. Cool. That's a good friend for sure. I go well. If I knew you were going to buy it for me, I would have said, "Well, you know, Mezco has the, you know, the one twelfth series." And <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, there you go. I go, you know, as long as it's not my money, I don't care. That's right. But uh, for that case, you might as well go for the life-size replica. No. No? 
because then I'd be mad when it didn't work. <laughs> and and then I then I would try to figure out how to get my guns mounted great, on. Great for photo ops though. Oh yeah. Um yeah, so oh you you being a you being a horror fan, you've definitely gotta read uh Al Ewing's run on on that. And they just they just released a one shot of immortal she hulk okay right on um that was that was just like a a special one shot they did but after uh immortal hulk's gonna end next year at like issue 50 and okay so, and not long after that uh he's i guess supposed to do like a unless they've changed it this he's he's supposed to do like a full-blown Immortal She-Hulk run as well. So, so that Immortal Hulk that that went fifty issues, really? Wow, I didn't realize it went that long. Well, it's it's gonna go fifty issues, yeah. Okay, right um, on. A lot of people like dropped off it. You know, a lot of people jumped on it because, oh, it's new. This looks cool, and you know, all the Alex Ross covers and everything. Yeah. And then you know, those issues blew up, and they you know, some of them you know have like you know seventh or eighth printings wow you know for, like, for any mar mar modern marvel title to be up to like 50 issues is remarkable because usually they get up to issue 12 before they're rebooted with another issue one again oh yeah because you know all these all these uh modern artists and and writers that the big two have all all think that they're the only person that should be telling the story and since it's their story they're telling they should have their own series Right. Yeah. Like, you know, and I don't have anything personally against Donny Cates. I just don't like him. And <laughs> and he he you know he's like and everybody's like he's a great writer. I go, I go. Who's your favorite character? Venom. I'm like, oh yeah, there's an in-depth character. <laughs> well, I know the. I'm reading the. Um... Avengers Age of Khonshu right now mm. and I wish I could say good things about it but it's uh I'm reading it just because Moon Knight's in it and I'm uh I collect them religiously I think I probably have 96% of the issues that he's in I might need a dozen comics to complete my full full collection and uh so I'm, I'm I buy these out of obligation only and I I cringe through reading them it's uh oh not well, a good example of what well, my, not it's not a good example of what comics could be that's for sure oh most definitely right. uh buddy of mine uh is a uh, well you know before he got married uh was a huge was a huge moon knight fan and, right on. Uh, yeah i think there's like six of us <laughs> that many yeah <laughs> and uh i i liked him when i thought he was like a Marvel version of Batman, but more violent. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then I then I found out all that stuff, and I'm like, because oh. it was there was one series came out about eight ten years ago, and I started picking it up, and he was having like all the you know the Avengers were in the first couple of issues and everything, and that turns out the Avengers actually weren't there. Oh, that was horrible. That was, yeah, that was the Brian Bendis run. That yeah. was one of the worst Moon Knight runs of all time. That oh. was, oh, oh, that was bad. That oh, was I very hate, bad. I, 
I hate Bendis. He, he he came he came to DC and and ruined everything. That's right. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's uh it's it's beyond bad actually that run. Again, I think it lasted like twelve issues. Um. Yeah. And because uh, pre- previously Moon Knight had always had four personalities, three personalities plus Moon Knight, and mm-hmm. uh, Bendis decided he wanted to get rid of those personalities entirely and turned them into Spider Man, Wolverine, and Captain America. <laughs> and it's like no, that just didn't work at all. And in the current Marvel run, they've made him uh, super powered, godlike levels of power. He's wielding Mjolnir and taking out Thor, uh, stole Ghost Rider's car. And it's just, I always liked Moon Knight when he was a street level uh, fighter. But he puts in this, he goes through the same stuff as Deadpool without the healing factor. He just gets the broken bones and takes the gunshots and just, you know, mm-hmm. without the healing factor. And that was one of the things that I always liked about him. And, I, and I'm sorry, Ghost Rider drives a motorcycle that's right that's that, right that car thing bullshit <laughs> it was well that, done in agents of shield though i don't know if you've seen that yeah, one yeah I, I saw that and i'm like oh that's pretty cool dude still drives a motorcycle yeah, not my ghost rider <laughs> no but if, like, you would have, if you would have told me moon knight was going to steal ghost rider's car i thought that sounds like an epic comic i can't wait to read it but how you can mess that up, I don't know, because it was horrible. It was just absolutely horrible. How can you mess that up? Well, apparently this is how you mess it up. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. I remember uh, my buddy Jason was like, Wicked into Moon Knight, the uh, the the long run where uh, Platt came on and started doing some of the covers. Mark Spector Moon Knight, yeah. 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 And he would, I mean, he's got he's to have a box of, a short box that's uh that that run and he was buying like multiple issues of like oh. that will run and when when platt started doing the covers he he dropped all the other books he was collecting at the time and he's just like bought all those he goes, if platt's doing the cover i want 10 copies i don't blame him they were beautiful covers and i still need a couple actually i think i only have two of the plaque covers I think the the last Moon Knight I bought was uh, just because it was like an anniversary issue was uh, issue two hundred. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I would. I think I was running the crazy runs in the family type storyline. I think they had going on. Yeah, I never but, read it. Uh, I, 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 I bought it for the cover because one of the covers was it wasn't plat, but it was made me think of the plat covers. Oh, okay, it was really good. But it was one of those online guys that will buy, you know, if there's like three covers to a book, he'll he'll buy, you know, multiples of all three covers. Right. We'll, and you you only want this cover. Well, he'll only sell them in a set, so you got to buy all the covers. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Because he gets a bigger, I I guess you know, gets a bigger cut that way. He gets a bigger he gets a bigger cut because the more he orders, the bigger the break he gets. You know how how all that works but oh absolutely uh you'd be well, well i think it was the doug uh or the Huston, uh houston huston run of moon knight the bottom from the uh late 90s early 2000s that was uh that was by far pinnacle the best moon knight that's when uh you know he uh he cuts one particular fight he cuts off his opponent's face and later on his girlfriend catches him wearing it in the bathroom right it's some pretty mature dark that's definitely the darkest of Moon Knight comics have ever been, and the best. His character well served to be in that darkness. That's 
That's that. That sounds like where they got the idea to cut Joker's face off a few years ago. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah, that's right. Could very well be. Actually, it could very well be. Because that was funny. Because uh, Harley thought Joker was dead, and, and somebody else took you know skinned his face off. And apparently, he skinned his face off. She thought the she thought the skin of his face was haunted, so she broke into police headquarters, stole it, and put it on. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Right on. Sounds like the writers of Batman are definitely reading the writers of Moon Knight's work. That's for sure. Somebody's yeah. copying somebody else's homework. Yeah. Well, you know, that's, that's all always they... been the case, though, with Marvel and DC, right? Yeah. Just, Moon Knight, they, Batman. Yeah, they just go back. They just go back and forth. That's um, right. Moon Knight, Batman, and Daredevil. Yep. Yeah, exactly. All three of those. Yeah, for sure. So what have you read indie-wise recently that... Uh, I see Scorpiana. I read that one. Ace and Starlet was one that I got. Um, I also backed the Joan of Arc one because it was one of the inspirations for Sister Mercy and their number one Kickstarter went the same time my number one Kickstarter was up. Um, pretty much anything with boobs in it, really. <laughs> or anything that looks particularly good. There was one, uh, Code 45, I think it was. I just I backed that one as well. That one was really good. Um, yeah, there's just there's so much good work out there. It's It's fantastic. It really, really is. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm really tempted to hop on that Keanu Reeves Kickstarter as well, but uh, they definitely don't need my money. Their numbers are up there. I want to read it, but that's that's a it's a pricey one to back. I, I have a hard time justifying it, but I'm definitely yeah. I, I might get on there before it's all over. I'm still I'm still weighing it. What's it like 800 million or something now? Yeah, <laughs> something close to that. I'm sure it's insane. And then you have you have uh, Scott Snyder and uh, yeah. Tony Daniel doing that, doing that other book. And I'm like, that's, you know, they hit, they hit like a million five in like the first 24 hours or something or the first week of, I was like, that's great. In the first week that I'm like, that's just nuts. 100%. Yeah. That, that's awesome. Bring all those faces in the Kickstarter. Let's have lots more celebrities and famous people doing projects and bringing in all these new backers. I think that's just fantastic. But yeah, you, you get that, but then you get, then you get, uh, you know, a, a good portion of the, uh, the, the angry, uh, indie people that are like, they shouldn't be allowed to do that. I don't get, yeah. And I've seen some of the comments and it's one of those things I really don't get like the old saying, um, a rising tide lifts all boats, right? So it's uh, it, it can only be good to have these guys in there. I can't I can't see. I guess, but then again, some days some people just need something to complain about. That's how they know they're still alive. Yeah. It's like, well, they're taking money out of our pocket. How are they taking money out of your pocket? Quite the opposite. Quite look, the opposite. Look, they're friggin' famous as hell, and and people are gonna buy their stuff no matter where they put it up. That's right. Exactly. But they they're they're, they're self-publishing this, so they're gonna go to a, a, a crowdfunding platform. Yeah. Yeah. And what a lot of people what a lot of people don't understand is uh Kickstarter and Indiegogo are not comic book platforms. That's right. They're crowdfunding platforms. So yeah. You can put anything on there, like new indie crowdfund. <laughs> I, I think it. I think it's ludicrous that 
a company like Hasbro is putting toys for pre, you know, new new toys for pre-sale that all they've done is make them make the mock-up model and they show it on like a live stream of all the stuff they're 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 thinking of making because until they get the numbers in they want, they're like, well, it's either gonna make us this much money or we're not gonna do it. And they put it up and next thing you know, you know, they made like, you know, two million dollars in an afternoon, you know, from from G.I. Joe and Transformers. Right, yeah. It's you know exactly. Well, what, what was it when they uh, when they put out He Man? He was I was originally supposed to be Conan. I was watching here. Oh, on the toys that made us. Yeah. Recently, they had uh, they wanted to do a Conan action figure run, and uh, they had uh, they were. Yeah, exactly. Yes, that was it. Toys that made us that right. That, that was a great video. Yeah, yeah. The stuff like, you learn, you know, you know great stuff. Because you know, I'm a little older than you, so I was collecting like the '60s GI Joes. You know, when GI Joe was a GI named Joe. <laughs> and oh, I think uh, I, did I freeze up? Yeah, you're getting a little. You're going, but. I, I can see you fine, but the uh, the audio is kind of like staticking a little bit. Okay. Yeah, the big the big doll, bigger. Yeah, they were uh, they were like twelve inch. There's a storm tenor. here. I'm wondering if it might be inter it might be interfere uh, interfering with my signal. Yeah, probably. It could be. Yeah, oh, you're breaking yeah, up. I, I think it might be the storm by you uh, hmm. breaking into it some. I got it. Yep, you look like a kung fu movie now. <laughs> you look, you look cool, then they stop, and then the voice comes out. <laughs> right on. I'll have to work on my Japanese accent. Oh, there you go. Yeah, but I I had those in uh, the old the old Migos, the Star Trek, and the superhero stuff from the seventies. Oh, I would have loved to have had some of those old Star Trek ones. I'm a hardcore Trekkie myself. That, they, oh uh, yeah, those are awesome. I've got those. They just they just released. Uh, they just released a uh, card and data in the in the eight inch line. Oh really? Oh, right on. So that would be awesome. uh, I remember I, I had talked to uh, Marty last November at a convention, and he had gotten uh, the rights back from from Star Trek, and then he went and renegotiated with CBS. And at the time, Picard hadn't been really announced yet, so. He got the okay. rights to make everything from the original series all the way up through Discovery. He could make any anything. Al for Discovery as well. Right on. You know, so I haven't seen many toys out there for Discovery. Uh no, I don't think there's any. 
Yeah, I think there was some there was something with the copyrights. There was yeah, I remember re, re, uh, seeing a video or something talking about the way the rights are broken up because of a bad robot. Oh yeah, between the two companies, that's always a bad mix. Yeah, absolutely. How long it took us to get Batman sixty six on uh, you know Blu-ray? Yeah, yeah. And now it's you know now it's readily available, and you know. Now, now I don't need to buy it because I can. They've got the first three seasons on uh, on the Roku channel, mm -hmm. and uh, there's a uh, all through uh, this company called FilmRise that gets like a hold of like all the older TV shows. Oh, okay, and uh, I think either either on either on Tubi or uh, Pluto. There's a thing where you can uh, access the uh, the FilmRise channel for like all all like those old shows. There are some pretty obscure '80s, early '80s TV shows that I remember from when I was really small that I can't find anywhere that I would love to watch. Uh, BJ and the Bear, Tales of the Golden Monkey, stuff you don't oh, hear yeah. anybody talking about anymore. I would love to get back and watch those old shows somehow. Uh, I remember a show. Uh, with Patrick Duffy, man from Atlantis. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, I convinced myself, no, no, I, I can't go to bed yet, Mom. I got to watch Aquaman. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Goes, no, it's man from Atlantis. I'm like, yeah, Aquaman. <laughs> <laughs> I always had to go to bed earlier with my older brother, and I could hear him downstairs watching the Dukes for Hazard. Whenever I hear that car horn go off, I'd be so frustrated that I couldn't be down there watching it. Uh, Dukes of Hazard. Uh, what did we have for superhero shows back then? We had uh, Greatest George American Hero. Greatest that American one. Hero. Um, we had uh, the old uh, reruns of uh, obviously Batman 66, George Reeves Superman, Captain um, America, those old Hulk movies. The old Hulk movies, the old TV Spider Man movies. Yeah, and the Incredible Hulk TV show with Lou Ferrigno. I can't forget that. Yep. Um, the uh, the Saturday morning uh, Captain Marvel show. Right. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I actually interviewed the original actor, Jason Bostwick. Uh, oh, wow. About a month and a half ago. And uh, what else we had? Oh, Linda Carter is Wonder Woman. Beautiful woman. Beautiful woman. Beautiful woman. Still, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and then you know we had we had like a, a ton of cartoons, but we had we had like weird stuff like uh, there was that really cheesy live action Spider Man show too that was really 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 bad. I think yeah. they just had him hanging on a line from a helicopter flying around the city you know, with one camera shot. <laughs> uh, yeah. The uh, they did stuff like you know that they couldn't name the show that today, uh, you know, because one of the movies was the Chinese Web, right? And you know, imagine all the liberals like going going up. You can't call it that. That's that's racist. right. That's right. Like, that's right. Oh my god! I tell you what, I did um, watch here recently, which I'd never seen before, which I was pleasantly surprised was uh, the original Doctor Strange movie. I think it was like 1972. Oh yeah! Oh that god, a, that, that was a fun watch. It, it, well, it's fun because it's funny because we've seen like you know 
a fairly good Doctor Strange movie. That's right. And you I think know? the oddest thing about it for me is uh, being a big fan of the show Arrested Development. I can't remember the actress's name, but she plays the mother in Arrested Development. And I've only ever seen her as an older lady. And uh, to see her young and attractive in her 20s in this Doctor Strange role, was just it was kind of surreal. <laughs> I think well, she played Morgana Le Fay or something like that. Oh, yeah. And what, what do they see on... Uh, on Oh yeah, Tubi had, and I I watched it on Tubi was uh, the uh, the Return of Swamp thing with with Heather Locklear. Oh, okay, it, right on. It was like the worst piece of garbage ever. <laughs> Heather Locklear, though, it's still worth watching I, right there. Exactly, I watched it. Probably, probably the same reason I watched uh, T.J. Hooker a couple weeks ago on. Uh, on, on the Roku channel. Wonder Woman. <laughs> right on. You know, so well, and we, William Shatner. You got to watch it for William Shatner. Oh, yeah. You got to, you know, you got to watch it for the, uh, the evolvement and devolvement of the hairline. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. So, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen, I don't know if you've seen ever seen what? William Shatner's video on YouTube or uh, on YouTube, William Shatner has a, a slam poetry version of Bohemian Rhapsody that he does. Worth checking out. There's a music oh. video and everything. You'll never forget it. <sighs> His face appears in the moon as he's reciting this poetry of Bohemian Rhapsody. It's classic. Absolutely classic. Oh, it's just, it's just awful. I know. <laughs> Leonard Leonard Nimoy had a couple of albums too. Oh, okay, I can imagine what that must have been like. He he sang, but it was kind of like sing talk. <laughs> okay, yeah. Imagine him singing songs, but if somebody did the same, did one of the songs that he did in his version, but karaoke. It would be like the devil went down to Georgia. You know how you, they're not really singing; they're just talking the song, almost a Leonard Cohen type of thing. Yeah, yeah, big, there we go. big time. Yeah. the the only uh, The only album I have in uh, my loft here now, a friend of mine gave to me when I was in the hospital a couple of years ago. It's a uh, it's a full size album, and it's got like all like monster stories and stuff on it remember the old like power records with with the narrated stories oh right on uh, but, cool. but this all the artwork on the album cover and it it folds open and inside there's like oversized comic pages oh wow and everything the album the album artwork inside and out and the comic all done by Neil Adams. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. See, mo modern day music, that's something that got lost along the way when you go back and you look, you know, 70s, 80s, even 90s, you look at those album covers, works of art, right? And now it's, you know, a picture of a staple or something. <laughs> it's just not the same, not the same. Molly Hatchet with Frank Frazetta covers. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. Oh, yeah. Now, uh, 
why don't you shoot me the uh, the uh, the site address for where where people can uh, buy copies of uh, your book online? It is. Let's see here. You can send it to me like in in private chat, and I can I can oh. pop it up. Yeah, I let's see. Uh, do, 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 do. Yeah, right here. And there you go. Yeah, I do all the printing out of uh, Florida Indie Planet. They do they do absolutely fantastic work there. So that link that you can get you uh, you can follow that the digital's two forty nine download for the digital and the uh, I think it's four ninety nine for the uh, for the print edition for the standard print editions. That's that's perfect. And number three is coming up uh, fairly soon in Kickstarter. It is, and with the number two on Indie Planet, there are two versions up there. There's the twenty four page standard PG thirteen version. And then there's the 28 page extreme version with four extra pages of more mature content, which pulls no punches. And uh, yes, in issue three, and the issue three Kickstarters, hopefully, if everything goes as planned, going to launch on December the 1st or December the 2nd. And we're really looking forward to that. The covers, yeah, we have some great covers. Oh, Very yeah. I, I, I see looking at it now. Because there's like some blurry squares over over some images. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yep. Now, who did the uh, who did the art on the uh, on issue two? I mean, on on the cover. I didn't know if it was the same artist from the same artist. Uh, Ricardo Silva did both the covers. Uh, the um, the extreme cover was colored by Fred Marino. Uh, also out of Brazil, and the uh, the regular issue one uh, standard cover of Mercy standing in front of the diner, uh, colored by Ivan Dominguez, who's also working on an issue three cover right now. And just some amazing, been really blessed to work with some amazing artists and some amazing colorists. Just been seeing some really great work. And I'm going to spread that a bit further with issue three, like I was saying, with some guest artists to get a few different looks out there. Oh, cool. Yeah. The, the, I'm looking at at the extreme cover now, and uh, well, let's show everybody because you can't see it anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> Boink. 
So there it is. I love that cover. There's. I can't imagine why. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's the black background. It makes everything pop. It's all about the black background. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> makes everything stand out there, right? <laughs> so I'm looking, and obviously, your copy. If you buy, you know, go on, go to Indie Planet and buy it, and you know, you get it in. The the one thing that cracked me up about this cover is, as we have boobs a popping, um, it seemed like a little overkill to to put this big yellow, boom, extreme edition twenty eight pages. <laughs> I I needed a no little kidding. something on there so people knew that there was a little more content than one issue as opposed to the other, right? Be, besides seeing a topless nun, yes. Yeah. <laughs> See, and the, and the difference also between the two is those four extra pages of content, it's actually story content. They're not just like pinups at the end of the issue or anything like that. It's an actual little, uh, another little uh, aspect of the story. That's great. And you've got, you've got great price points on the books too. So well, yeah, I mean, kudos for that. Cause I mean, I've seen some books and, and they look great, but for some reason, just like a normal, not like this cover, but say you like your cover A, mm -hmm. and they're asking twenty five. They're asking twenty five to thirty five dollars. Wow, for, for an issue, which to me is like a little hard pressed because I've interviewed guys that have like, oh, you know, an entire, you know, graphic novel like over a hundred pages. And their price point, uh, one of them, Tyler's uh, price point was he had a sci-fi graphic novel that was over 100 pages. And the price point on that was $20 free shipping. Wow. So, I mean, you know. That's very reasonable. You, you, you got to think. It's like, it's, it's one thing if, you know, you're like, you know, a Jim Lee or a Jeff Lemire. That's right. To be like. Well, yeah, here's the special convention cover for my book, and it's $50, and I'll sign it, but that's another $25. Uh, <laughs> or, you know, or being, you know, just an, you know, an indie creator that's like, well, you know, I think it's better to, you know, keep your books modestly priced. Get the exposure. Get, uh, well, you know, nobody can pay bills with exposure. But better to get it into more people's hands. That's right. Like you, five bucks for a physical copy, half of that for a digital copy. Yep. Yeah. You know? My goal is just to get as many people to read it as possible. Right. And uh, the more feedback I get, the better. It, uh, people seem to absolutely be loving it so far. So that's been absolutely fantastic. And uh, what are some of the uh, roundabout numbers you've done so far for the first two issues? In regard, uh, how many copies you mean? Yeah. Oh, uh, I think uh, whether I figured it out all together. Let's see. I printed off between the two issues. I made. I printed off twelve hundred copies. One, two, three, four. So probably around seven, between seven and eight hundred copies, roughly. That's not bad. No, not not too bad at all. There was a. Uh, the interest between issue one and issue three more than tripled. So I'm only, uh, and again, a lot of positive feedback on issue two. 
Uh, the Kickstarter seems to be very successful, so I can only hope that the issue three is going to uh, to jump a bit more. Fingers oh, yeah. crossed. Oh, definitely. Let me let me just blow this page up here so we can talk a little bit more about this. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna I'm gonna click on the uh, the digital. Is it the digital download? Yep. And we get we get this cover. Yeah. In front of a diner. Uh, you know, I really like the boob cover, but this cover, this cover is, uh, is straight fire. It's total badassery. Lo love that. It's, uh, I had three different colorists go at that and, uh, they all did great jobs. Um, but Ivan's that's Ivan Dominguez's work and he just nailed it. Like it was, uh, it was a home run. Yeah. It, you know, it's, it's like the light of God shining down on top of her. And everything else like fades out into darkness. And the darkness is coming together. Mm-hmm. Usually. And that page one, that's framed. That's it's I have it here. It's going to be framed and going above my couch on the wall. I uh, the original artwork. I absolutely love that page. I think uh Ricardo did such an amazing job with that. Now is that a uh, is that a grounded uh, tanker? It is. It is. That's a lighthouse in the middle of the desert. Well, you know that makes perfect sense. Absolutely. Most of the water's all gone. Uh, this is uh, the world. This is the last days of the world. It's pretty much it's uh, it's a dying wasteland. This is this is cool because the. Uh, her ha her habit looks a lot looks a little bit inspired from uh, from Huntress. Okay, yeah. See, actually, now when I when I uh, when I first came up with it, I was actually thinking a little bit of Dagger from Cloak and Dagger. I thought I was a little bit I was scared. I was actually a bit too close to that. I remember there was one run where Cloak and Dagger traded powers, and she had some of the black and the white together, and it looked a little bit similar to that. Yeah. It's just the uh, the white the white <laughs> line, the white lines the cross. Yeah. Uh, Helena had that. Uh, the second huntress had that uh, look, and they've they've redone her outfit like you know multiple times, of course. But oh, okay, yeah. And here's the good stuff that we can't see. Yeah, that's right, all blurred out. That happens every time a woman gets naked in front of the fireplace. <laughs> blurry spots appear. Every everything gets blurry. Yeah, that's right. Probably from blood rushing to places, but yeah, exactly. But I mean, this 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 book looks awesome, though. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, people really seem to be enjoying it so far. That's for sure. And the and the story writes itself. It really, really does. And there's your favorite cover. And then the main cover. Yeah. And the fireplace scene. <laughs> and your favorite piece of artwork. Yeah, I really do love that piece of art a lot. One of the rewards we had on the last Kickstarter was uh, allowing the backers. The, the highest tier reward was the original artwork. The backers could choose which pages of the original art they wanted. And uh, I think it was eight backers, I believe, chose that tier. 
And I had my fingers crossed that nobody was going to choose choose that page because I wanted it on my wall. And so I still have it. So it's good. They all went for the pages with the nudity. <laughs> well, yeah. and my girlfriend would not let me put those up on my wall. <laughs> you know, that's that's perfect. It's it's a great looking book. Thanks. I will I will have to dig into it myself. Good. I hope you like it. And uh we want to thank you for coming and hanging out with us. Oh, thanks for having me on here. It's been a blast. We we made it through the storm. We talked about a whole bunch of geeky nerd stuff, and that's right. You know, and I have all my fans in my room turned off so you can hear me. And I think it's about five hundred degrees in here. I'm melting. Warm. <laughs> well, I got a. I live in a loft here, as you can see. Comic boxes behind me that I'm going through. Right on. Sell, selling off a bunch of my collection because it just got to be too much. I and, did that and I regretted it so bad. Oh, I had seven long boxes and I thought, no, I'm just going to take all the Moon Knight out and I'm going to sell everything else, even some big keys. There was an amazing Spider-Man 299, 300. Just sold, sold, sold the works. And uh, yeah, I'll regret that for many years to come. I, I, sold, I sold a couple of minor keys uh, last month. On a on a lark just to check it out, I bought like the first two issues of uh, All New Wolverine, where you know he was dead and X twenty three picked up the mantle. Right. Yeah. And of course, number two sold like that because you know it's Honey Badger's first appearance and. Oh, okay, Honey oh, Badger. I've never heard of that character before. Uh, she's had like three different names, I guess. Uh, one of I guess uh, Dakin uh, Wolverine's son. Right. Just like, you know, calls her what, you know, calls this character whatever. Oh, okay. You know, like, that's kind of like a, that's kind of like an 80s, 90s thing. You see a buddy with, hey, Schnecky, how you doing? That's right. <laughs> you know, and. I got a friend like that. Absolutely. And he, he started, you know, he started calling her, you know, she got introduced and it was like her actual name in the book. And then, you know. Hey, honey badger, what are you doing? <laughs> and then the name evolved to something different, you know, uh, a few wishes down the road. Right but on. It was her first appearance, and you know, apparently all the uh, all the speculator uh, fan pages uh, like, "Ooh, this book's gonna be huge." You they know, like but, speculate that a lot. You Absolutely. know, that's the that's their favorite saying. This book is huge right now. Yeah. You know, because I've got three cases of it in my back room. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Anything to inflate that hype, for sure. You know, so I sold that. I sold the first cameo of uh, Lobo's daughter. Oh, okay. Uh, I pulled. I pulled the uh, the only other like modern Teen Titans book that I had bought, besides the one I besides that one that was like kind of like a one shot that I sold. Was the uh, the tie-in to the uh, the Joker that lasts in uh, Teen Titans twelve, and that book, you know, with like a nine point eight or better grade on it, is, is you know the last sale of that I saw was like fourteen hundred bucks. Wow! Because it's wow, got the awesome. it's got it's got the first cameo appearance of uh, the Batman who laughs in it. So okay, great, great. So I'm like, yeah, I'm not gonna sell that one. I'm sending that. I'm. 
I don't get much, I don't get very many books graded because you know then you can't read them. That's right. I like to have two versions. I like to have the graded copy so that I can put it safely away, and I like to have my reading versions as well, right? So I've been actually cleaning up a little bit lately on the graded Moon Knights, graded and slab. So that's this is that's a whole new buying market for me. I'm just getting into. I like uh, I like getting certain creators, especially ones that I you know grew up reading. Mm -hmm. I, I like being able to meet them, you know, or oh, for you sure. know. In, in case of, you know, this year, you know, at least talk to them online and, uh, you know, get something that they've done signed. So like the last thing I, the last slab I bought, I, I, sc I scored a CGC yellow label, uh, not a very good grade on the book, but the signature is more than worth it. But I got, I, I got a, I got a graded copy of all-star squadron number one. Um, in the new uh in the new cgc case that you know they look they look you know very nice and shiny so no. uh, and it was signed by jerry ordway so right on so i still haven't met jerry but uh i didn't have a signature either and it would have cost you 40 it would have cost me 45 dollars to get the book graded without a signature oh wow so i paid 35 for a graded signature so I'm like i'm okay with that and yeah that's a pretty I, good deal i've got a i've got a copy of the book and you know i read i read it online we actually we actually have a i'm involved in another podcast that i do uh with thomas from outright geekery called okay boomer <laughs> right on where you know all, all we do is uh we delve into back issues like uh gold silver and bronze age books okay yeah um once in a while we do something like a little bit more modern but you know it's it's always back issues and you know we we read the whole we read read or in most cases reread the book you know before the show and then we you know we have a digital copy that we flip through page by page and you right know on. just talk about the book all the way through so you know people that haven't read you know read a particular back issue you know can tune into you know a show and you know we've done everything from the original vampirella number one to uh the first nick fury agent of shield okay um and uh usually it's we do it either like on wednesday or thursday because he works he's a he's a retail manager so you gotta like bounce it around so i usually keep wednesday and thursday open that's why i film these Monday, Tuesday, Friday, and uh, but this week he's got a he got in trouble at work from his oh, supervisor, oh. whatever. So he's got to he's got to close every night this week. So we're gonna film it on uh, <clears throat> we're gonna film it on Saturday, but we're going through uh, Fantastic Four forty eight. Okay, first Galactus. Oh, okay, right on, right on. The one you know the that famous cover with the Watcher on the cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know. It's it's a lot of fun to you know dive into back issues and do that and you know get get some history you know get See a little how bit much of they've changed for sure yeah get a little bit of comic book history on it and everything else you know it's always good to like experience the whole you know the full Monty of the comic book experience yeah well it seems like you pick up any comic from the seventies it's almost like 
there are no bad ones. You know, they just have so much nostalgia wrapped up in them. Even the worst ones are still good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, oh, they're they're great. I mean, I got mad at myself because I had just spent money before this guy that used to do uh, Facebook sales um, went on the air, and I didn't know he was doing a show. And more importantly, I didn't know what he had. He had one show. I had just I had just spent my money for the month. Because, you know, don't get much being laid up. So uh, I, I spent what I could afford to spend on comics already that month between my comic shop. And I bought like gotcha. a few things online. Mm-hmm. But he, he had uh, a full run of uh, the Marvel, ser- Marvel series that it was, it was uh, all based around the villains. Oh, okay. I can't remember the name of the damn thing now. I'm not, fam- I'm not familiar with it. It was, it only went like about 18, 19, 18 to 20 uh, issues. But the, the stars of the book were the heroes. So it was like Red Skull, Dr. Doom, Magneto. Oh, okay. You know, stuff like that. And the fight, the final, the final issue, I only, I had, uh, one issue when I was a kid, and it was, it's, Doctor Doom was my favorite Marvel villain because I discovered him in the Spider <laughs> Spider Man daily comic strips in the newspaper. Oh, okay, yeah, right on. That was the first big villain that I saw Spider Man, you know, having battles with, and and this book was my my first introduction to Magneto, and I'm like. Whoa. <laughs> and, and he had <clears throat> the Avengers were in this book. And when I say Avengers, I mean anybody that had been an Avenger in like the last hundred years was in this book. And he had them all on their hands and knees bowing down to him. Oh wow. Uh somehow he had taken over Latveria and you know thought he had unseated Dr. Doom. I can see him doing that. That that wasn't the case. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um uh, Doom made uh Magneto his uh his gotcha. his, whip, his whipping boy. So oh, okay. Uh, I mean it was a great issue. The art the art was awesome back then and you know he had but he had that he had a whole run of that Plus, he had a whole run, and they were all in fantastic shape of the original Battlestar Galactica run that Marvel did back in the day. That was like you know twenty three issues or something. Right. Yeah. Okay. And I, you know, I see like the first three or four issues all the time, and I've seen like the big oversized Treasury editions. Mm-hmm. I love those things. Those are those are great. Oh, they're so expensive now. It's great to have them all together in the one place and just to read it all without having to flip through a bunch of different issues so you can keep them nice and safe and pristine. Oh, yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a store not far from me that I, I talk to one of the owners on a, on, a, on a regular basis, and they've always got treasury editions. Like, if they go to a, if they go to a show, mm-hmm. they have, like, this big – they have a couple big, like, extra-wide boxes, and they 
they they bring them you know they bring them all with them i bought the last time i saw them at a show i bought like four treasury editions off them oh wow i bought uh they had the two uh two out of the three or four that they did for uh the legion of superheroes so i got the uh the one that has the wedding between Saturn Girl and Lightning Lad. Did they they did that in a treasury only. It didn't appear anyplace else. Oh, so okay, only, right on. You know, it, sometimes they would like reprint, like with the Star Wars ones, they reprinted all that stuff, obviously. With the Battlestar yeah. Galactic oversized ones, they reprinted that as well, of course. Um, and the other one was one, of course, going back, Neil Adams did it. Oh, okay. Neil Adams did the cover, and I think uh, Mike Grell did like all the interiors. Right on. I know yeah. I get every Moon Knight omnibus that comes out, so that keeps so that I don't have to actually handle my uh, my issues at all. Oh, yeah. even though I have reading copies, is I still I like that. I like the omnibus. I I always check uh, the Facebook Marketplace for those. Yeah, because I bought um, last year. I bought the uh, the the X Men omnibus for the original Age of Apocalypse. Okay, yeah, it's like that fat. Right on. Was it's it like, colored pages or black and white pages? Oh no, it's all color. Okay, right on. I got and a couple of the big thick Moon Knight omnibuses. Three of them, but they're all the pages are all black and white. Uh, I still have to buy them just because it has Moon Knight on the cover. <laughs> oh, those, those are the Marvel Essentials. That's the ones, yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, DC and Marvel both put those out. It was just that it was a cheap way for people that couldn't afford because they were charging like, you know, 50 to 175 bucks for the for the colored edition. And they're like, well, you know, we can just reprint these on on black and white on, you know, newspaper. And they're great to have if you want to read a full series and, and you're missing just a few issues, right? Because yeah. I have like these old Moon Knight series. I think, uh, you know, well at the time I was only I, I was missing probably twenty five percent of the issues, so I could, you know, read the color versions of the one I have and then flip over to the omnibus to uh, fill in the holes. Oh yeah, I, I see I see those on sale all all the time. The black and white editions for like you know five or you know five or ten bucks. Yeah, yeah, they're it's, great. It's like a it's like a perfect read. You don't care if the thing gets messed up because exactly it, it's five bucks. It's worth the papers printed on, and that's all it's ever going to be worth. Oh yeah, I grabbed the uh, that that X Men omnibus. Somebody was just you know they were probably like low on funds, and they just started selling. You know they didn't care. they they read it and enjoyed it. You know it was in phenomenal you know pretty phenomenal shape and everything. Uh, he delivered it to my house twenty bucks. Sweet. They're like, nah, that's a win. <laughs> you know, one of those things sealed, you know, you, you'll still get like, you know, 100 to 150 bucks for it online, you know? Oh, yeah. So. Now, do you have any other ideas for uh, different characters floating around for what you I... do next? I do. There's one there. It's, uh, I, I don't even, I can't say what it is. I went digging into the uh, realm of public domain and I wanted to find a character that's in the, in the public knowledge that everybody would know that uh, hasn't been done yet. 
and I found her. <laughs> and uh, there's potential for even a crossover with Sister Mercy even later on down the road. So it's just a matter of finding the time and opportunity and putting together a team to bring that one together. And uh, it would just be a one shot, but uh, it's going to happen here sometime in the near future. But uh, as of right now, I can't really say that much about it yet. You don't want to say any anything about anything that could be like that because it's because we're in the realm of public domain. As soon as you say that name, a whole bunch of people are going to get the same idea as you. Well, not just that. Usually, uh, you know, Disney will show up and make like a crappy movie. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so nobody can touch it. They did that. Uh, they did that to Dynamite. Oh, really? Uh, Dynamite had an incredible run going on. A, like a new version of the Lone Ranger and, okay. and John Carter, Warlord of Mars. So then Disney made that crappy John Carter, Warlord of Mars movie. So now they get cease and desist letters because now it's no longer in in the public domain. Now it's no longer public domain. Wow. Disney, Disney had rights to it for like, you know, five or 10 years. So they went back and they made John Carter, Warlord of Mars. But they can't call him John Carter, Warlord of Mars. Wow, eh? They can't even call him John in the book. So they, you know, they they just keep doing Deja Thoris books. But they've released uh, a new series now, I think, uh, called Warlord of Mars. And they did the same thing with uh, with Lone Ranger. They made that really terrible Lone Ranger the movie. Johnny Depp movie, yeah. yeah. Oh, that was garbage. I never watched it. I couldn't bring myself to and uh you know and it it you know that was like a double hit to them that was like two of their biggest series at the time was lone ranger because you're getting the older fans that remember it you know reminiscing from the kids buying it enjoying it and yeah. then you, get, you get a whole bunch of new readers on board and boom all just gone like that, eh? just you know terrible because that's that's basically dynamite's shtick is they do the they do the public domain stuff absolutely yeah you know, but i mean i i love the stuff they're doing you know especially because you know i love vampirella yeah yeah oh yeah absolutely that's a character that i want to read more of i've just never had much exposure to her i've uh you know i've uh oh, I've, pretty exposed yeah <laughs> he has a good word for it Good word for it, for sure. And I love these new versions of her with the big bat wings and stuff like that. I think that's oh, yeah. absolutely fantastic. Um, because you like Hara, I would recommend there is a five-issue miniseries that they did. Okay. And it was Vampirella versus Aliens. Really? Oh. Oh, I'll be looking for that as soon as we're done here. It's, and, uh, yeah. I, I, oh, I, I got to read that. I, I thought... I thought that was, you know, really well done. That's probably like, that? Yeah. It's really it's, it's probably like free to read on comicsology or something. Oh, okay. Right on. Oh my god, I gotta look that up. That'd be awesome. Um, and because uh this year was Vampirella's fiftieth anniversary. She doesn't look a day over twenty. Oh, ain't it great? <laughs> and I wish I didn't. Uh, <laughs> um you know, I I had, I, I had a, I had a daughter and, you know, I used to have red hair and, <laughs> you know, most of my hair all went away and, you know, and it went gray like that. There you go. Kids have a habit of doing that. You know, oh, it was her mother, not her. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
you know, but at least I passed it down and, you know, got her into, I got her into comics and, uh, you know, collectibles. I had her favorite movie when she was a baby was, uh, <clears throat> snow, the original snow white. Oh, okay. But she couldn't say snow white. So she would say, daddy, I want to watch hi ho Doby white. <laughs> Which I think is a much better name for that movie. So. It's got a bit of a ring to it. Yeah, it's, you know, it's it's hip. I get it. But I had I had bought her uh, a collectible for Snow White, and it was like this big box set, and it had Snow White, Prince Charming, his horse, um, the old queen. The younger queen. All right, on all the dwarfs and some of the some of the forest animals in it. And she's like, "Ooh, Daddy, can I open?" It? I go, "Oh no, you can't open that one. That's, <laughs> that's a that's a collectible." Yeah, that's right. So I, I I taught her that at a young age, and then I had to go out and buy her all the Happy Meal. Oh, there you go. You know that I found collected together at a at a store. And uh, you know, open all those up, and she played with those for for years. But right on, you know. So she learned. So she knows the difference between that and that. Uh, she knows she can get a she can get away with next to murder, unless it has something to do with my comic books or my collectible figures. <laughs> then you know, if it was, that was pretty much the same story with my son. If, it, if it's an accident, she'll come walking up to me slowly and you can't understand anything she's saying because she's in tears and bawling her eye out because she, she thinks I'm about to, you know, put her in a put her in a shooting lineup or something. <laughs> but, you know, it's great to get your kids into comics because, you know, the earlier you get them, you get them reading like, you know, absolutely. You get yeah. them reading something they like, and they'll actually start reading, and they'll, you know, especially in this modern day age, and anything yeah. to, uh, you know, keep them, yes, to get get them reading is is absolutely anything to keep them off of video games. Really, no, I shouldn't say that. Video games are great. I love video games. My son loves video games. I just, I'm glad to see that he'll put the controller down and pick up a book. That was oh, always yeah. important. The more the more they read, the the bigger their you know, vocabulary gets and exactly. Yep. You, know, you gotta, you gotta learn stuff. You're not going to learn, you know, you're not going to learn that stuff from, you know, getting caught up in the, you know, some of these, uh, terrible websites online that, you know, want to rewrite history or anything like that, you know? Yeah. But, uh, funny, was, funny how the times change. I remember being 10 years old and finding one of my older brother's books. They were like war books called the rat bastards. And they had like a lot of mature language and scenes in them. And, you know, find the F word or something like, oh, there it is in print and take the book to my friend's house. I'm like, look what we found. Look what I found. Look, look. You know, a little bit different nowadays when a kid just turns on the computer and bam, it's all right there. Right. Yeah. Another another great show from uh, childhood days was the uh, the Rat Patrol. Oh, OK. I was a bit before my time. I don't remember that one. Like I said, I'm older. <laughs> <laughs> You're I'm a ruler of Generation X. You got a couple of years on me. Actually, I am Gen X because I was born in 69. But Okay, there you go. You got on one end of it. You know, but, you know, I'm kind of like, you know, on the cusp there. So, yeah. But, uh, 
yeah, it's, it just there was there was so much good stuff back then, and you know now it seems you know ridiculous. They they're charging you know anywhere from thirty dollars to one hundred and thirty dollars for like an action figure. Oh yeah. well, well, because we know all you comic book nerds That's aren't right. going gonna to play with these things or even open them. So now they're not toys. Now they're now we put them all out as collectibles. That's and right. We, and we keep raising the price because you guys keep buying them. That's right. Exactly. And the only the only time they're going to stop doing that is when people stop buying them. Just like you know, I think you know, I think it's great to have like you know. Variant covers so people can choose like a cover that they like for the book yep. for the book they're gonna buy. But I think it's ridiculous to have you know all these all these dealers from you know conventions that just you know it has my credit card Marvel. Give me my own copy, five hundred <laughs> copy print run, so, <laughs> yeah. I, so I so I can charge two hundred bucks bucks a book, and you know I'm like. And and people they just go for it. It's like, ooh, shiny. I'm like, oh great, the whole community's got ADHD now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But you know, it, it it is what it is. I like I like my older books, I like some of the newer books too. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing I've found to like really like uh from dc has been like their uh their mature their mature line but they're all those like oversized magazine size i got the three harley quint harleen ones those were great wow the art was amazing the writing was amazing they uh they definitely did a lot of research writing that too because her her psychological analysis of the joker was pretty uh it's interesting read on its own right it definitely was a well-researched well-written story i absolutely love that uh, Jeff Lemire did a joke, a Joker three part one. Oh, which, okay, which was good, but you know, even being the Joker fan, it pretty much creeped me the hell out. <laughs> right, his work on Moon Knight was pretty great too. I love Jeff, Jeff Lemire. Oh, he is my all time favorite comic book writer. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, his Moon Knight run is probably the. Having read every single Moon Knight comic out there is probably ne- next to the Huston run is probably my next favorite. He did an amazing job, and the Smallwoods and the, the covers were just great too. Each one worthy of putting up on your wall. The uh, Black Label from DC—that's what it's called. That's right. Yeah, uh, they just released issue two of the Three Jokers, but they're doing—they're doing like you know five covers for each issue. Oh wow. That's a lot uh, of covers. And they for the first issue, anybody that bought it from stores would get like a Joker playing card. That would be cool. So it but it's like you know how like the the royalty cards would be like slashed in half and it would have, you know, the yeah. character going this way and the character going that way. So it's yeah. the same thing, but one half is the Joker and the other half is Batman. Oh, right on. That would be awesome. You know, right so on. I like that. That was that was pretty cool. They uh, they did a uh, they did a question. Oh, okay. They, they did the question book. They did a, a question line in there, and they also uh, they've got a 
they because they've canceled just about everything coming out of DC except for like the you know Superman, Wonder Woman, and Batman. You yeah. know everything else got the axe, and they you know they canceled like you know two thirds of their editorial department. It's crazy, it really yeah, is. Yeah, it's, it's just nuts. But uh, so that they canceled all like the uh, the Neo game. They canceled the whole Neo game in line. Like, yeah. The Sandman universe. So the new Constantine book got canceled. But at the same time, they started and released issue one already of a Constantine Black Label book. Oh, okay. That would be interesting. Which, you know, looks more like it would be, you know, on par with, uh, you know, what Alan Moore thought that character was. I'm saying, because you, you could do a lot with Constantine in Black Label without any restrictions. That's for sure. You could take that anywhere. You could make that as dark as you wanted it to be. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would be awesome. So, you know, and, you know, Black Label also brought uh, Lee Bermejo's art to the to the forefront with with that original Batman story that came out that's kicked off that line. Right. Yeah. 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 Where everybody was going nuts. Oh my God! You can see his batarang. The, the bat junk. Yeah. <laughs> you can see the batarang. I go. Yeah. If you squint a lot and make it right <laughs> up on top of it. Still, Big enough to make the headlines, though, I guess, right? You know, some Karen spot, you know, spotted it, you know, or overheard their kid go, oh, my God, you can see Batman's D. <laughs> 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 right? I talk to the manager. <laughs> you know, but the, there's a lot of great stuff in comics out there. I think there's even, you know, you know, mainstream stuff i think the small press stuff is killing it and the mm -hmm. indie, the indie community now is it's so friggin huge oh it's blowing right up i have I mean, new friendship requests on my facebook every day from other indie, indie creators because there's like great there's, there's so many you know in this day and age if you want to make a comic book just go make a comic book because anybody can make a comic book now that's right exactly the trick is making a good one <laughs> you gotta make a good one. I mean, yep. whoever writes the book needs to, uh, you know, get some critiques from from a couple of professional people on the script. Yep, it, it's definitely a group project. It's not. Uh, I mean, I'm yes, I'm sure there's people out there that are talented enough to handle every aspect of it themselves. But I think the more hands you get involved, the more people you get involved, more voices get more opinions, and it's definitely uh, it's a it's a, it's definitely better to do it with a, a large a group of people rather than uh, by yourself. Yeah. yeah, it's it's good to you know have have a complete well oiled machine. That's and, right, and definitely uh, one of the uh, most important things in a in a successful comic is a good editor. I have a fr I had a friend that was doing some editing for me, and uh, came in quite handy actually. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Especially yeah. when you have people that can fill in those uh, those aspects uh, that you can't do yourself. Like I'm pretty computer illiterate, with the exception of a few things that I need to know to get by. Uh, but when it comes to the more uh, complicated programs, I have some friends that can take care of that for me. And yeah. my drawing ex my drawing about as much as stick figures. I, I send my sketches to my artist, Ricardo, and somehow he can 
decipher the stick figures that I send him and he turns them into these beautiful pages. I don't know how he figures it out, but I'm not complaining. Well, you know, the, the, the sketch you drew of boobs was actually, you know, obviously, you know, headlights. Oh, boobs. Yeah, that's right. We'll go with boobs. So, you know, this is, this has been great having you on tonight. Uh, Thank you. You guys can head over to uh, IndiePlanet.com and find that book. It's there waiting for you. System Mercy. You can get both issues, one and two. And they have a print-on-demand service as well. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Helps me to avoid a little bit of the American shipping. That's why I was saying earlier, just it delivered right out of Florida. Oh, so you get it, you get it done right there, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great idea. That, and yeah. there's so many other great comics up on Indie Planet. Oh my god, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of comics up there. Yeah, because you know, there's there's gonna be thousands of creators up in Canada. Yeah, there's a few of us. I mean, what do you all do in the wintertime? <laughs> <laughs> Write comics, right? Yeah. I actually know the answer to that. I got a cousin who lives up in Canamore. Right on. You know, so we want to wish you the best of luck with uh, number three. Definitely uh, hit me up when you're getting ready to uh, do the Kickstarter for that so we can uh, we can put something up on the page for it. Sounds great. We'll do for sure. And we can we can talk to you uh, more more in depth about the the characters and the uh, direction of the plot line and everything else when uh, when number three is on her way. Perfect. Right on. Well, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Corey. You have a okay. great night now. You too. Cheers.